Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. You know, kids are just absolutely amazing. And this Sunday when we have them come and and sing in the service is a special Sunday. And um, I'm having the opportunity now to relive that kid phase because I have two grandsons, and actually my daughter Rebecca is expecting a third child uh, sometime at the beginning of the summer, so that'll be fun for us. But the whole child thing, it really is amazing. I mean, think about it. It it starts off with a couple of cells, and then you end up with a a person, a person that has a soul and a person that has a personality, and that person, just as you saw these kids, grows up to be one of us eventually, a grown-up person. And it's just an amazing process that you have no life, and then suddenly you have new life. I mean, I remember when it was just Janet and myself, and And then suddenly there were four other people, and we had six in our family. Children are really amazing. It's amazing how they are are born. Isn't it just amazing how they're born, and then they they grow, and then they become adults? It's an amazing thing. And as amazing as that is, it's still light years short of the amazing story of Christmas. Christmas. And this morning, I want to talk about the triple miracle of Christmas. You know, the story of Christmas is a lot like a babushka doll. You remember a babushka doll? It's those Russian dolls. They're commonly called babushka dolls. And what happens is you have one of those dolls, and then it comes apart, and you find out, oh, there's another one inside. And then you take that one apart, and there is another one inside of that. Well, Christmas is very much like that. It's very much like a babushka doll. The story of Christmas is really a miracle wrapped inside of a miracle, wrapped in a miracle. That's Christmas. And each miracle, as you open it up, actually leads you to another miracle. And so we want to talk about the triple miracle of Christmas. Now, I want to say this. We are, most of us, very familiar with the story of Christmas, which is a great story, but sometimes we just need to remember the incredible blessing that it is. And I want you to just, as best as you can, sort of pull back and try to gain some fresh appreciation this morning as we look at the triple miracle of Christmas. So let's begin to open up the parts The first miracle in the triple miracle of Christmas is the miracle of Jesus' birth. And let's not undersell that miracle. Jesus was born to Mary, who was out of the line of David. And you remember the miracle story tells us that this baby, Jesus, had no human father. He was born with not the slightest trace of sin in his life. There were no hints of the seeds of the curse of death. In fact, the Bible is extremely clear that Jesus' birth was a miracle. I want you to take your Bibles and 
If you would, open up to the Gospel of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under a chair in front of you, and you can take that Bible and turn in it in the very front, or actually back portion of the New Testament to page number one, and you'll be at, at the Gospel of Matthew. But I want you to notice how the Bible emphasizes how clear this was that Jesus' birth was a miracle. Look at verse 20. Remember, what happens here is that Joseph is betrothed to a wife-to-be, and he finds out that she is pregnant. And notice in verse 20, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. Notice what he says. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Why? For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, notice verse 25, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. When you look at the triple miracle of Christmas, the first miracle is the miracle of Jesus' birth. And the Bible is very clear. This was miraculous what happened. Turn over two Gospels to the Gospel of Luke, towards the right in your Bible, to Luke chapter 1 and verse 34. And here we have Mary being informed that she is going to have a baby And notice what she says in verse 34 to the angel. She says, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Now, if you've been a parent, you know what this is like. Mary and Joseph would be like any parents. You find out a child is on the way, and and that is a thrill. You're, You're thrilled to welcome them to new life in the world. And like many of us today, because of medical advances, before the birth, we even know whether it's going to be a boy or a girl, and they knew they were going to have a son. And like any parent, they were going to love that son, and they were going to feel privileged to welcome this son into their home. That would be true of any parent. But this was a miraculous birth. Ultimately, this was going to be a child of destiny. And any time you find out you're going to be a parent, whether it's your first, your second, third, fourth, or whatever, when you find out there's a new child on the way, you have to begin to process that. What is this going to mean? What changes are going to come? Everything won't be exactly the same. And, of course, Joseph and Mary were going through that same thing, but in a far greater way. You have a miraculous birth here. 
And not only were they just processing, the sun is going to come. But what does this mean? What does this really mean? Because earlier on, notice what Mary heard in Luke chapter 1 and verse 28. The angel comes up to her and says, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was perplexed at that statement, and she kept pondering, what kind of salutation, what kind of greeting is this? Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. But notice about this son. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. This was a child of destiny. It's not just adding a son. It's adding an incredible son. Look over in chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke, and I want you to see something that was happening a little while later. Some shepherds had an angel come and visit them. In Luke 2, verse 8, it says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. That's what shepherds did. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened by that scene. But, verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Let your eyes go down to verse 15. So when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began to say to one another, hey, let's go straight to Bethlehem and let us see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, so they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, notice verse 17, don't miss this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. They said, Joseph and Mary, you've got to hear what the angel told us about this child. And all who heard it, verse 18, wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Verse 19, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. This is a miraculous birth, but this is a unique child of destiny. He had been appointed by God the Father himself to change the world. He was going to alter the destiny of generations of people. And think of the descriptives that were used of him. He will be great. He is the son of the most high God. He will be a savior, a rescuer. He will save people from their sins. The Lord God is going to give to him the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. He will be the source of joy for all people. 
And no doubt, Mary and Joseph wondered about this. What is the future going to hold for this child? And then we have one of the greatest understatements, I think, in in all of the Bible in in chapter 2 and verse 19. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Oh, yeah, you better believe so. Not only do you have a miraculous birth, but look at the child that's coming and everything that is said about him. Now, at this point, she has a very limited understanding about the second miracle that is inside of the first miracle. But I want you to see that the first miracle is the miracle of a birth. It is the miracle of Jesus' birth. But we're looking at the triple miracle of Christmas. And so you take that first miracle, the miracle of a birth, and you open it, and inside of that is a second miracle, and that is the miracle of Jesus' sacrifice. See, it's a miracle that is inside of the first miracle of Jesus' birth. Now, when you have a a child that is born, the normal pattern follows. They're born, and they, they grow up, and they They live a life, and then eventually they die a death. But this infant would be different. This infant is the Son of God. He is born sinless as God is sinless. The Bible tells us that he was embodying all the fullness of deity in a human form. He was born, and he was not under the curse of death. What does that mean? Well, from a legal judicial standpoint, it was not required that he would die. This is a child who was born. It was not required that he follow the normal pattern and die. And yet, the destiny of baby Jesus was decreed by God above. His destiny was to be one of rejection and condemnation and crucifixion. His destiny was one of rejection by his own countrymen and the religious leaders of his day. His destiny was one of condemnation by a corrupt government of an occupying army. His destiny was one of crucifixion, the ultimate humiliation at the top of a lonely hill. Now you think about that, and that's that's pretty startling information. And the truth is, this was all part of God's plan from before the birth of the universe. Go with me a few pages further to the right to the book of Acts and Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, we find out that God planned this from before he even created the universe, that this would be true. Notice in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, Peter is speaking and he says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, you witnessed it. Verse 23, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless man and put him to death, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. We learn from Acts chapter 4, verse 28, that 
God's purpose said this, this was predestined to occur. In fact, in chapter 3, verse 18, it says that God announced beforehand, centuries and centuries before, through the prophets, that this would happen. Now, if you're not overly familiar with the story, if you just want to pause right there, if you're just having it unpacked for you the first time, you'd be saying, why? This, God comes down and becomes a baby to die? Why? Well, the necessity of the sacrifice was dictated by the issues of sin and death. It's, it was our problem. Go a little further to the right in your Bible to Romans chapter 3. And I want to remind you, we're going to be looking at some verses that are, are familiar to many of us, but please don't just not interact with them, okay? Just allow this to refresh your thinking again. The necessity of the sacrifice was dictated by the issues of sin and death. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, this was necessary because of the issues of sin. Everyone has violated God's standards. There's nobody present in this room who doesn't get included in all of us have sinned. And then if you turn over a couple of more pages to Romans chapter 6, it gets even more complicated there. Not only have all of us sinned and everyone violated God's standards, we learn from verse 23 in Romans 6 that the wages of sin is death. A wage is something that you earn. And our sin Violating God's standards earned us something, and that is death. We were under the condemnation of death, a slow death in this life and an eternal death in the next life. See, it's important for us to understand that the miracle of Jesus' birth had another miracle inside of it, and that was the miracle of Jesus' sacrifice. We understand maybe now why, but, but really, what, what would motivate God to this? And the certainty of this sacrifice was motivated by God's love for you and me. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. And again, just I know some of these verses will be familiar, but just think about the amazing nature of these statements. Verse 8, God demonstrates his own love towards us towards you, in that while we, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because God loved us. John 3.16, the very famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his unique son, he was motivated by his love for us. And I just want you to understand, you know, when we come at Christmas, sometimes we, we make it seem so simple. It's not simple. It's a triple miracle. It's all part of the Christmas story. The first miracle was the miracle of a birth. The second miracle that was inside of that one is the miracle of a death. The sacrifice of Jesus. 
But uh, it is the triple miracle of Christmas. And that leads us to the third miracle. As you open up the first miracle of the birth, there's the miracle of the death. And then you open up again and you have inside of that the miracle of our salvation. See, inside the miracle of Jesus' sacrifice is the miracle of our salvation. You see, why God himself would appear on the planet to take my place, to take my punishment, hey, that is beyond my ability to fully comprehend. But just pretend it's the first time you ever heard it. What would be the normal human response You had the miracle of a birth, and then you had the miracle of a sacrifice that was to be made where God comes down and takes your place and my place and your punishment and my punishment. The normal human response, having heard that much of it, would be to say, well, surely there's something I need to do to earn this in my life. Surely there's a list of things I need to do to deserve God dying in my place and taking my penalty. Surely there's a need for me to build some kind of a stack of goodness up so that I can qualify for this. That would be the normal human response. But I want to go back to Romans chapter 3 for a moment. And again, these verses are familiar to many of us, but please don't miss the magic that is here. Remember Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But notice what the next verse says, magical words. Being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Is it something that I have to find a way to earn, uh, that I have to do a certain number of things so I can deserve this? Is there a certain stack of goodness I have to get to in order to qualify? What does it say? The miracle of our salvation is a gift by His grace. Turn over to Romans chapter 6 again. And look at verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we earn because we have sinned. But notice what it goes on to say. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can you believe those words are there? The free gift of God What is a free gift? It is a gift that is free. We don't earn it. We don't have to do certain things and maneuver so we qualify for it. He gives it to us as a free gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves. What's the next phrase say? It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, because I came up with so much stuff. Because if I came up with so much stuff, then I would be a little bit proud of what I did. It's not a result of works, 
that no one should boast. A gift by his grace. It is a free gift. It is the gift of God. Would you let your mind rivet on that for a moment? You want to talk about a miracle. Meditate on that. Contemplate that. Relish that. Allow it to soak into your soul. Don't brush away from the thought. Think of those words again. Gift by his grace. A free gift. It is the gift of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's the triple miracle of Christmas. The first miracle is the miracle of a birth, and you open it up, and inside of that is a second one, which is the miracle of a death. Jesus' sacrifice in your place and in my place. And you open up that miracle, and inside is another one, which is the miracle of a gift, our salvation. Now, here's a legitimate question. Do all receive the gift? You had all these children up here singing earlier. Do all of them receive the gift? Do all of us receive the gift? Well, there's an answer to that question. Turn with me back to the Gospel of John and chapter number 1 and verse 12. I want you to notice what it says here. Do all people receive the gift? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 12, as many as received him. Now, this is not everybody. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. What does it mean to receive him? To those who believe in his name. In other words, the gift is appropriated and received in our life by faith. Now, a lot of times, people become confused about what it means to exercise faith. If you could use your imagination for a moment, and rather than being in the, where we are now, where the temperatures are in the 20s, think of us in a very balmy area of the world on an ocean liner together. And then the word comes, the ocean liner is sinking, it will sink. And let's say we're there together and I come up to you and I say to you, do you believe, see those lifeboats over there, do you believe that um, if we do sink, which it looks like we're going to, that those lifeboats are capable of saving you? And you say, yeah, I think so. I just want you to understand that's not New Testament faith. It's not what you believe about something. It's not what you believe about what Jesus has done. That's not New Testament faith. New Testament faith basically is this. You have faith in that lifeboat when it hits the water and you get off the sinking ship and you get into the boat. See, it's at that moment you have what the New Testament calls faith because you're now going to count on, you're not going to rely on that lifeboat to save your life. It's what you're resting in and relying on and fully depending on. That, men and women, is what it means to believe in him. 
It means to say I'm not counting on stacking up good someplace. What I'm counting on and resting in and fully depending on is what Jesus Christ did for me. In John chapter 5 and verse 24, Jesus himself gave these words. He says in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is the bottom line he's given to us, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me is relying on, depending on, resting in what I have done, has eternal life and does not come into judgment but is passed out of death into life. Jesus says, the one who puts his trust in what I did, my sacrifice, the one who counts on that is the one who receives the free gift. Have you made the life decision to accept the free gift of Jesus' sacrifice by faith? Have you made that? Have you made that choice? You know, if you haven't yet, you can do that very thing even this morning. You don't have to do anything magical. It's just that when the story all comes together and you see it for what it is and you say, I don't want to try to qualify for this because you can't do it anyway. And you begin to see that there is a free gift available, but it needs to be received by faith where you say, that's where I want my trust to be in. Not whether I can stack up certain things I do or certain goodness. No, God, I, I, I'm not counting on that. What I'm counting on now is what Jesus Christ has done for me. See, when you do that, the very moment you do that, that's when the free gift comes into your possession. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. And if you were to even do that right now, where you are, this Christmas will be your first real Christmas when you really understand what it's all about. See, Christmas is a miracle wrapped inside of a miracle, wrapped inside of a miracle. You have the miracle of Jesus' birth and the miracle of Jesus' death and the miracle of the gift of our salvation. You know, when you look at the Christmas story, I mean, you, you, you go searching for the adjectives to describe it. It's marvelous. It's magnificent. People often say, well, that's awesome. Hey, this is truly awesome. If anything ever qualified as awesome. And our response needs to be a response of awe and wonder and praise and gratitude or the triple miracle of Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, we want to pray for any who may hear these words that we have shared today and with the internet. Anybody in, in any country in the world could potentially hear this message today about the triple miracle of Christmas. And I would pray for everyone upon whom these words fall that they would not walk away from the free gift that Jesus came to this planet to provide. Pray that everyone who hears these words 
people here now, people in future weeks, that they would choose to receive this by faith. To say, that's what I'm going to rely on. That's what I'm going to count on. And for those of us who have received the gift, oh, we are so filled with wonder and awe that you would do this for us. It's a free gift. We're filled with gratitude, and we want to honor you. And we want to honor Jesus. And we want it to be our best for him. And we pray in his name. Amen.